Welcome to the All People Podcast, where we talk all people all the time. I'm your host, Elisa Southall. My goal is to improve candidate and employee experiences as well as company cultures throughout U.S. employers. We do this by leading with empathy, diversity, inclusion, equality, teamwork, and transparency. Come on this journey with me. And now, a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for an out-of-the-box solution for hiring talent? Look no further than the secret formula of hiring talent. Dot, dot, dot. It's not so secret. My ebook. I published this through Book Boom Learning, and this ebook covers a variety of topics all in the hiring space. I've worked with many hiring managers who all say, what is the secret formula of hiring talent? Well, I'm here to walk you through the hiring process, investing in your community, eliminating antiquated hiring practices, being the leader in pay, leveraging your resources, and success being only a few changes away. I think that if you are anybody who is looking to hire talent right now, maybe struggling to hire talent, this could be a really good resource for you. Let's change the game of hiring talent. Get rid of those old antiquated ways that we interview and go through the hiring process. And let's make it fresh and invigorating to get new talent and to get them in a more creative way. Go out today and purchase The Secret Formula of Hiring Talent, It's Not So Secret by Elisa Southall. That's me. It's only $8.99 on Book Boom Learning. I hope you guys enjoy the read. Let me know what you think. Drop a review or two on either the Book Boom Learning page or on my website. Let me know what you think of the ebook. Thank y'all. Bye. Thank you for listening to a word from our sponsors. And now, back to your episode of All People Podcast. We hope you enjoy. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of All People Podcast, where we talk all people all the time. As always, I am your host, Elisa Southall, and I have the wonderful pleasure today of being here with Tara LaFon Gooch. Tara, say hi. Hey, good to have uh, be on the show today. Thanks for having me. I love that you're here. Now, for those of you that haven't seen her, Tara has been on the cover of uh, Morocco Forbes. She's been on a, a radio, a news TV station, sharing all of her tips about branding. And so she is the CEO of Best Branding Solutions. Tara, can you tell us what that is? Yeah. So we help ambitious subject matter experts, thought leaders, and purpose-driven people build their brands and succeed and step on stage and become the best versions of themselves. So typically the people that we work with are authors and uh, people that want to go to that next level of building their personal brands by being featured and being on stage. And so when you're talking about branding, right? I mean, I, I love branding. I do it all the time, right? And, and it just become a natural part of who I am, but that's really what branding is supposed to be. So for those of us, for those people that don't know, can you share a little bit about you know, what somebody can do to help uh, create a brand for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's a lot of misconceptions about branding out there, right? One of the biggest misconceptions are people think that they have to, that they don't have a brand, right? Now, I want to just emphasize that because you're either the one building your brand or someone's building it for you, but either way it exists, Right. So the goal is to build an authentic brand and not copy somebody else's. Build an authentic brand that speaks to your target audience, 
uh, that resonates with them, that builds trust. Um, and it's it's not just about a logo or a color scheme. All of those have, you know, play a role. But it's really, it's a story. It's a persona. It's an authenticity. So it's very personal, personal, right? And no two brands should look alike. And um, it's very unique and individual. But we all have a brand. And Jeff Bezos famously said, your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. I have a spin on that. And my spin is that the brand actually walks into the room before you do. And what that means is, is that it's people's first impression of you and who you are. So if you're a speaker, especially, and you send in and you've never met anyone and you're applying for an event, let's just say, and you send in branding, well, that's their first impression of you. So it walks into the room before you do. And we only get just a few seconds if, of that first impression for that other person who's receiving it to make an instant judgment call on us. So that's what I help. I help bridge that gap, build trust, establish identity and authority, but do it in a second pace, which is so important. It really is. And, you know, what I love about branding and what you talk about particularly is, as you said, it applies to everybody, right? If if you're the CEO of a company, you have your own brand that is separate from the identity of the company. If you have a book, right, that book identity, you know, that book brand may be different than your work brand, right? Whatever the case is, there are differences. But in, in most cases, your personal brand is how you operate. And I tell the same thing to job seekers, right? Your personal brand should be what people see, what jobs, what companies see when you're applying to their positions. That's why I don't write their resumes for them. That's your brand. We have to work together to create your brand. Um, and so people can have a brand no matter what. It can be a personal brand, things like that. And they have, that's different than their work self or something else. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a good distinction, you know, that you have a story and that story that, you know, you've been through with your life experiences, with things that you've been through, creates that establishment of your brand identity, right? As a person and your company is different. So it's not the same. They are different. They can be related. And there should be some cohesion there, you know, uh, for sure. But it's not the same thing. And I think that's where a lot of people get mixed up. And, you know, especially if you have one or more companies, how could they be the same? The anchor is you, but those, those are other identities outside of you. So I think that is important. Excellent. And I want to get right into your book. So if people don't know, Tara wrote a book, uh, and you can see it behind you called Grasp Confident. It's how to grasp confidence and own your power. Can you tell us what sparked that, you know, that creation of that book? Yeah, you know, I grew up my whole life feeling unconfident. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, especially women, right? We have a lot of societal pressures that we face. Um, and I, I do believe that, you know, children are naturally confident. You know, it's through these societal pressures over time and different things, bad relationships, whatever, that that lack of, you know, confidence starts to really show up. 
So it was something really important for me to develop this confidence because I started suffering from depression and anxiety and all the, all of these things. And I knew that once I decided to go into full-time entrepreneurship, I didn't have a choice. I had to find, figure confidence out because otherwise I wouldn't be successful. And I had to hit a low point in that journey. Uh, and then I started reading a lot of books and figuring out what, what themes were, what made sense to me. And I, I wrote all of these adjectives down of, of things that I knew could develop success and confidence and those type of things. And I just started writing down words. And what I found was a lot of like success books, for example, have gratitude somewhere in there. Maybe it's chapter seven, maybe 14, maybe chapter four, but it's not, I didn't think that was right. Because once I developed gratitude, I actually started to become confident. So I put gratitude as my foundation. That's the first level of confidence for me. Once I started really giving back to my community and helping others, I started to realize how many skills and talents I actually had. And guess what it did? It started building confidence. And also what happened? It started increasing my success. So it all starts with that foundation of gratitude. And I think that's so important. So that's how I really got started writing my book. I sat down on the couch one weekend. I think it was the weekend right after Valentine's Day this year. And I told my husband, I just need to get something out of my head. 11,000 words later that weekend. And I said, I guess I have a book. (laughs) (laughs) It was really funny. So I assume, right, and and I have not read your book yet, but it's on my list to, to order, I, I'm assuring you. Um, those five areas that spell out grasp are probably, or, or what you're saying sort of lead, help leads to the confidence piece. And I, I can really see that, right? I mean, from anybody I've talked to that's lacking confidence, they're lacking one or more of those things. Yes, absolutely. So and, you know, the thing about it is it's um, it's a lifestyle, right? So mm-hmm. it starts with gratitude, and then it goes into responsibility, mindset, action, sight, visualization, and purpose. It's, it's not something that you complete and, okay, I'm done. Mm-hmm. It's something that you go back to and, you know, some days I need to do a couple of those steps. Some days it's all five. Some days I focus a little bit more on responsibility mindset or whatever, but it is a lifestyle change and it's one that'll absolutely change your, your life. There's no doubt about it. It transformed my life and took me from a very, I would say depressed state, major depressive disorder and anxiety. I was diagnosed with both. And I didn't think that, Again, I had talents, I had skills. And when you're wrapped up in that mindset, you can't see the forest through the trees. And I wanted to develop something that was easy to understand. It was an acronym that people could easily remember and follow. And it wasn't some highfalutin concept, right? I think that's really important too. I write for people. I think a lot of authors write for other authors. 
and it's high language that goes over people's heads. That's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to make a book that was easily accessible for people that are even at like a low state of depression can read the book and understand how to come out of it. So key for me to really help as many people as I can. You know, and I love that gratitude is the founding sort of, you know, principle. I will tell you as somebody who also, you know, ha uh, has anxiety and depression or, or deals with anxiety and depression. Um, one of the things my therapist told me the very first time was create a gratitude journal. Yeah. And, you know, it, it seemed like a very easy concept, right? But it was one of the hardest things I did because when you're in those states, as you said, it's hard to see the forest. And so I was always like, they said, find three things that you're, you know, that you're grateful for that provide you to, provided you gratitude today. And I was like, I can't even think of one, right? Yeah. And the idea is that when you start to create this journal, you start looking for them more, right? Throughout the day and you see them as they're happening in the present moment. And then you have so many to write about. What I also found was I was qualifying my gratitude, right? And I think this is a societal thing. It's like one of the days I had this cookie that was like the size of my head. It was like this big chocolate chip cookie. I love her. <laughs> I know. And I told my therapist, I was like, that's the only thing that made me happy today. And she was like, wow. so put it in your in your journal. And I was like, it's not good enough. It's not grand enough. And she was like, but who's seeing it, right? Who is telling you that this is not good enough? And I was like, well, I guess I am, right? And so I was qualifying even my gratitude to say, this isn't gratifying enough to be in my book, to be in the notebook, right? Yeah, so important. It's it's the little things, just like you said, right? Um, And it's so important, you know, again, I feel like we're all living someone someone else's dream. How how many people in third world countries who are who are really destitute would switch places with you or I in a minute? Mm -hmm. So it's a perspective, and you have to look for it and find it. Writing a gratitude journal is key, right? And you know, for a lot of people. Um, I, I'm that way. I'm very open about it. I had a difficult childhood. It wasn't, it wasn't great. Um, and that kind of shaped me into feeling like, you know, that, that past experience, what I went through was something that I was deserving of. Mm. And then it kind of shapes your reality and makes you think that you're not deserving, you're not worthy. And guess what? You know, as I wrote my book, I, and I'm a private person, uh, typically, but I knew that I had to write this book because I needed to help show others that they're not alone. Guess what? Who hasn't faced trauma? Who hasn't faced hardship? Who hasn't faced adversity? Right? It's that human story that binds us. And, you know, when you read my book, maybe those things happened to you. Maybe they didn't happen to you. But you'll relate to it on some way because it's just a human story. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. you say, well, if she can climb out, I can do it. And it just gives you that little bit of hope, right? Yeah. And I appreciate you for giving that hope to people. I mean, I, I would love to recommend this to my job seekers. You know, right now the job market is super tough. 
And um, everybody I talk to, you know, in terms of job seekers are expressing how they've been unemployed for months and they don't, they're, you know, they feel like they're, it's a problem with them or it's, you know, they're not qualified. And I'm like, the problem is not you, right? I, you are not the problem. You are worthy of getting a job. You are important. You have great skills. That's not the problem. The problem is, is the system is broken and then it causes you to think negatively about yourself. Right. And so they get frustrated about like, I'm never going to get a job. And I'm like, you have to keep that confidence going. Otherwise you're going to succumb to it. And it's, that's not healthy. Exactly. You know, that you bring up a really good point. Gosh, there's been mass layoffs. Um, We're still dealing with post pandemic stuff. Mm. Um, People are hurting. People are lonely. Uh, Suicide rates are climbing, you know, uh, the World Health Organization has made this a point that depression is the number one cause of disability worldwide. And guess what? Worldwide, 800,000 people every year commit suicide. How much of that is linked to confidence? Guess what? I lost my job. I'm not worthy. I can't support my family. And then they start internalizing it and believing that it's a reality. And it's, you know, if I feel like we need to have these conversations more because so many people, especially when you're in that state, you do feel alone. And we we need to have more people saying, you know what, you're not alone. I was there. And maybe this will help you. Right. And I, I feel like it does. I mean, gosh, you know, the thing about gratitude, and this is another reason why it's step one for me. It's scientifically proven to increase dopamine and serotonin in our brains, but it can also, it also rewires our brains. And the thing about rewiring your brain is that if you can rewire your brain, you can start to form new beliefs. If you can start to form new beliefs, you can start to become confident and break that cycle, right? It's a cycle just like anything else. So important. It is. And as you mentioned, for for those people that may not know, right, the way my therapist always talked about depression and anxiety, depression is living in the past, right? And anxiety is the future, right? So you're never in the present, you're sort of straddling between things that have happened already and things you're afraid that are going to happen, right? And so gratitude is, is the present, right? Moments of gratitude, finding gratitude, having those, you know, experiences of gratitude, are all in the present. And that's why any therapist that, you know, is working with you to handle, you know, your depression and your anxiety is going to tell you, you have to find something to get you into the present, something that brings you gratitude. And so it's interesting that some people don't know that those, that that's sort of, you're straddling the present when you're in depression and anxiety, but you're not sure how to get there. Yep. Gratitude will anchor you to that present moment. And that's why it's so important. I, and I know what that feels like, right? And just because now I'm confident doesn't mean I, I still don't, you know, have thoughts. Guess what? We're imperfect. Um, you're going to have those thoughts. You're going to have imposter syndrome pop up at occasionally. You're going to have negative self-doubt. But when it does, you reframe it and you say something you're grateful for. And you just take a moment to stay in that present state of mind. And then those start, thoughts start to go away over time. 
You know, they start to minimize. Maybe they won't go 100% away, but that's okay. That's normal. I think so many people get, are just, we're so hard on ourselves, Alyssa, you know, and I think the average human, this is just the average human being, has 40,000 negative thoughts per day. Holy cow. Holy yeah. cow. Right? Let that sink in. What if you could replace at least most of them with positive thoughts? Well, then you'd be a different person. And guess what? That would motivate you to action. It would get you out of your funk and help build that momentum that you need to start becoming that better version of yourself. And that's mm -hmm. what it's all about. It's not leaps and bounds and marathons and sprints. It's slow, steady progress, moving forward in that right direction over time. Yeah. And I'm sure you can, you know, you're somebody who can say the same thing. But for me, my anxiety and depression doesn't just go away because I find gratitude. It's an everyday thing where I have to wake up and make a conscious decision to find gratitude and to, you know, like there are days when I know, I know I'm on that downward spot of the roller coaster and I'm like, well, I got to figure something out. Right. And it's hard to do that in the moment. But like you said, every day is a conscious decision for me to say, I cannot let anxiety and depression control me today. I have to do something different. That's why it's a lifestyle change. Mm. That's why, you know, at the end of the book, um, I have advocacy in there. Right. So I have this book. And at the end of every chapter, I ask questions. What are you willing to do today? To make this a lifestyle change and habit. So it's, I think that's something really powerful. You know, we have to put that ownership back on ourselves. And that's step number two is that responsibility mindset. So gratitude is the foundation. And then I talk about responsibility mindset. We have to have that ownership, right? The ownership that says, I am going to do this. I'm going to keep putting in the work. I'm going to keep motivated. I'm going to keep doing this one thing, whatever it is, until I'm successful, right? Um, you have to have that ownership mindset. And then an ownership mindset, too, is when those negative thoughts do come in, guess what? We reframe them with gratitude. And that's why these steps are interrelated. Um, and I think that's just so important because I've read a lot of confidence books out there, and they never resonated with me. Because they're speaking from somebody who's already confident. Mm. I wanted to write a book for people that hadn't had confidence. Who maybe grew up a certain way, right? And then it followed with them throughout their entire life into adulthood. And they've never been able to knock it. That's who I wrote the book for. But, it, you know, it's interesting. My number one, I would say group of people that have bought my book are physicians, medical physicians. I was not expecting that. But guess what? Over 100,000 physicians drop out of medicine every year in the United States alone. Physician suicide is on the increase. Burnout is real in that profession. Oh, my gosh. So they're relating to this book because they're trying to figure out a way out of depression, out of suicidal thoughts, out of anxiety, out of burnout. And I'm happy to serve that community too. I think that's beautiful. Um, but it's, 
you know, I wrote the book from a woman's perspective because that's my lived experience, but I've also had a lot of men who love it and who have said it has helped them. And um, they, they've started gratitude journals and they're messaging me saying how thankful they are for the book. So it, you never know who's going to really wrap onto something, but um, that's why I said it's the power of the human experience and authentic storytelling. Um, anybody can kind of relate to that authentic storytelling from human experience. <laughs> yeah. And, and I know you shared a favorite quote of yours, which actually came from the book. Um, and that was competition only exists when you are doing something for which you are not specifically designed. Can you tell us why that's your favorite? Why, what you like about that? A word from our sponsors. Diversity, empathy, equality inclusion, teamwork, and transparency. Those are words that mean something to me, and I hope they mean something to you. Those are six values that a people partner lives by every single day. Those are six values that I live by every single day, not only as the CEO of a people partner, but in general. If you are somebody like me who lives these six values every day and wants to share that with the world, I encourage you to purchase a People Partner t-shirts. These t-shirts are navy blue, come in a men's cut, and range in size from medium to 2XL. On the front, you will find the diamond-shaped uh, rainbow hearts that we have in our logo. On the back, you will see the six values in rainbow colors. These t-shirts are uh, $30 and can be shipped anywhere in the US. If you're outside of the country looking for a shirt, send me a message. If none of these sizes fit for you, let me know and I'll add you on the list for the next order. I hope to see you all in your A People Partner swag and representing those six values that mean so much to us. Thank you for your purchase. Thank you for listening to a word from our sponsors. And now back to your episode of All People Podcast. We hope you enjoy. Well, you know, we tend to compare ourselves, especially on social media, right? And we think other people are our competition. And I don't believe that. I don't believe that because we all are unique. We all have this uh, authenticity that nobody else can, re you know, replicate, really. And when we're competitive, we're not thinking in a creative mind. We're thinking in a me against you mind. And I believe that, you know, a competitive person throws down the ladder from which they rise and does not lift others up, does not allow for opportunities for advancement and success for other people. And that's not who I am. I want to be the creative one. I want to be the collaborative one. I want to be the one who lifts up others and inspires others to greatness, right? So when you're in that competitive mind, you're trying to be like somebody else. You're trying to snuff out somebody else. But when you're collaborating and you're doing something for which you were specifically designed, i.e. your purpose, you're leaning into your strengths, your natural gifts, your talents, how can you not be confident? And who do you even have to compete against? Nobody. And that's what I've realized. Um, you know, there's been other people that have talked about confidence. I don't consider them competitors. We're collaborators. You know why? Because we're trying to uplift other people to greater heights. So I've had 
um, folks on my show or podcast that are also authors about confidence. We, you find other people that can, um, you know, that you can collaborate with, that it makes sense, and you just r- let rise together for that message to help others. But when when you're working in a your your strengths, your talents, there is no competition. Mm-hmm. I just believe that. And, and I love that you say that one, I'm somebody that like, I will network with every HR person. I'm like, listen, we're not competitors. Like I work with them closely. I refer people to them. And it's like, I can't do everything and I don't do everything well. So the things that I don't do the best, somebody else is doing really great. And I want you to know about it. Right. And like, we can help each other to change the landscape of what's currently happening that we all agree has problems. Right. And beyond that, I remember I was working in a Department of Defense contractor and we were all having every one of the Department of Defense contractors were having trouble finding talent. And so individually, we built an apprenticeship program to bring in this talent. And I kept thinking to myself, what would it be like if we created one apprenticeship program and we we shared it with the other competitors, quote unquote, right? We're not necessarily sharing the talent, but we're sharing, these are the basic things that you would need to work at any of our companies. After you learned it, pick where you want to go, right? And what we're doing is, is we're, we're helping the whole, you know, Department of Defense community as a whole by creating more people who are interested in that, in that, you know, particular industry who want to be in manufacturing, right? When there's such a deficit in people wanting to go into manufacturing, whatever the case is, we're helping together to fix that rather than competing for the same talent, right? And so I always thought like, what would it be like if we weren't competing with each other? What if what if we were just working together for a common good? Exactly, exactly. And in my book, I, I liken it to the cells of our body, right? So imagine what would happen if the cells in your body started to compete. Well, you that's when you get autoimmune disease and, and other sorts of problems, right? Degeneration. So we're a body, a body of collective people. And it makes sense that when someone is good at something, we let them lean into their strengths. And this is why it's so important to find and align with something that you're really purposeful about and to pay attention to those things too. Um, For me, it's teaching. I love teaching Um, adults, right? I love teaching. I like, I enjoy speaking, things like that. Writing. Does it make sense for me to sit behind a cubicle all day? No, it doesn't. It may make sense for somebody else. It doesn't align with what I want to do based on my strengths and talents, right? So listen to yourself, figure out what you really like, what you're really good at and lean into it. And don't listen to other people that'll, you know, and their limiting beliefs that tell you, oh, you can't make money doing that or something like that, or there's no future there. If one person has made a dollar doing it, you can too, right? Just listen to your intuition, what your gut's telling you. Don't listen to others because that's always the worst advice, right? Um, I go through this with clients all, all of the time. I had somebody tell me last night she wanted my help getting on the TED stage. 
She said, my brother tells me I'm too young. I said, you work at uh, Ivy League University. You're a scientist. I don't think, I think you're ready, right? But you see how we, like, even somebody like that, letting someone else tell you, and then you start to believe it. Don't listen to other people. Listen to what you are good at and what your strengths are, and then just lean into it. Hmm. I like that. And, you know, going to that branding piece, right? I know that that's a lot of what you do. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that your final sort of five steps there is purpose. And I feel like, and, you know, you can uh, allude to this a lot more than I can, but purpose, having purpose and understanding what your purpose is, is going to help you build and develop your brand. Yes, absolutely. Right. That's your highest form of self. That's your self-actualization. That's where, you know, you align with your specific design, right? You can't have purpose be number one. It can't be the first step because it's a journey. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to go through the steps. Um, And that's why it's so important. Again, it can't be number one. You can't say, page one, I'm going to find my purpose. It's a journey and it takes some self-discovery. But, you know, when you align with it, nothing makes you more content. Nothing makes you more happy. And it's that thing that gets you out of bed, right? I remember being in corporate and being miserable and waking up and dreading literally existing. That's not purpose, right? Mm -hmm. But now I wake up and I'm excited because I get to meet you. I get to talk to other people today. I get to help change lives. Um, That's a purpose. And then when I go on stage, guess what? I'm helping amplify my purpose by helping other people. This book, part of my purpose, right? But me going through that lack of confidence for years was actually a part of my purpose. Why? Because I wouldn't be able to write this book and relate to other people and help them accomplish their purpose if I didn't go through that struggle. So I think a lot of times, too, we look at adversity and struggle as separate from our purpose, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. It's all part of that learning experience that is required in order for us to become the best versions of ourselves. And that's okay. And I I love that you have that experience as well. Um because even for me, right, I mean, I I was working for a company, corporate, like you said, and I was like, why am I waking up and doing this to myself every day? Like, I do not want to go here. I do not want to do this. And then I get home and I'd be like, why do I even bother? Right. It was like that was just making my depression and my anxiety far worse. Right. And so as I sort of got off of that journey of working in corporate and figuring out hmm, what do I want to do? What do I want to be? Right. Once I found business ownership people were like asking me do you dread going to work Monday do you do this I'm like I love work like I get up every day and I'm like oh I get to help people or oh I get to do this right and people are like you're such a nerd and I was like I know but (laughs) I love what I do right and that's you know if I can help somebody else love what they do through me helping them find a job in a company that they're passionate about because they like working in corporate fine great that's what I want to do Right. I don't want more people sitting in a job every single day for eight hours a day that they cannot stand and that they dread going to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I remember those days. I remember having a panic attack going to work. 
right? No more. Your life is worth living. And it looks different for everybody. Maybe that is your purpose, right? Entrepreneurship certainly is not for everyone. It is a hard, long ride, a bumpy one. But when you find something that is aligned with your purpose, again, that's when it makes you want to get up out of bed. You're excited and you can work longer and not get so tired because you're working on something that is meaningful to your life. That's so important. It is. And you probably heard this as well, but I get a lot of the time. I can tell you love what you do. You sound so passionate about what you do. And I was like, well, that's because I do love what I do and I am passionate about it. Right. But I, I never got those same comments when I was in corporate America because it wasn't exuding off of me. It wasn't easily when I walked into the room or before I even got into a room, people didn't feel that energy. Right. They're feeling it now because I what I do lights me up every second of every day. Even the boring administrative stuff that I have to do as an executive, right? It it's it's not as fun, but I still love being a business owner. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. It's all about finding it's all about finding that passion. And it's okay to live passionately. Um, I just you know, the number one thing I didn't want to have happen was to live a regretful life or to live somebody else's dream. Mm. I just got tired of living somebody else's dream, somebody else's version of success and finding like regrets along the way. And, you know, I used to be the person that would come in first person in my team to be there. Last person to leave didn't work or didn't go to lunch, work through lunch. The only people that remember that now are my family and myself. It's no more, right? You have to choose yourself. What do you want? What do you value? I think that's really important. And that's part of the purpose as well. Purpose in my book is broken up into two chapters. The first chapter is finding your core values because that's your compass to -hmm. finding your larger purpose. And then it's finding your specific design. And if we can do this, we can become confident, not just confident, but I would say unstoppably confident. Um, And you can go from that depressed, unconfident state to being on the cover of Forbes, writing a book, speaking on stage, whatever it is you want to do, whatever your goal is, owning a business, becoming an artist, (laughs) right? But find that purpose and align with it and your life will change. Yeah. And one of the things I often, and I'm talking a lot about job seekers in this podcast and more than I'm talking about companies, but I think that's because a lot of times I feel like that's, that's who needs sort of this support. But for a lot of the job seekers I work with, you know, I tell them, create your ideal job description, understand what your, what your values are, right. As a person and figure out how your values can align with whatever company you want to work for. Because if you work for a company that's totally opposing in your values, you're not going to be happy there. Right even though you'll never be the company and and they'll never align perfectly, I would not be happy going to work for X, right? Because they're the CEO's values don't align with my own, right? And so, you know, you have to be mindful of that in, in, as you're looking for work, what are your values? What is your purpose, right? What does your ideal job look like? 
And then start to hold yourself accountable to, I can't apply to jobs out of desperation. I have to apply to jobs based on this ideal job description of myself and hold myself accountable that this is what, it doesn't have to match 100% of the time, but maybe 70, maybe 60, right? I got to give myself some way to say, this is what I'm moving towards. Yes, I love that. Don't settle. Mm. Stop settling, right? You were meant to shine. I think we all are, right? And for a lot of job seekers out there, it's that scarcity mentality. It's that survival mode. I've got to get just a job. But then six months later, guess what? You're miserable and you're in that same loop all over again. You're questioning your worth. You're trying to find another job six months into that job because this job actually doesn't align with anything that you believe in or want or any of that, right? So that scarcity mentality, that loop, that settling is only going to lead to more of it. So I think you're absolutely right on when it comes to job seekers. But you have to first identify what you want not look at just a paycheck or a title or the company name or something flashy. What are your core values? And then find a company that aligns with that. Find a leader in the organization that aligns with that, right? Not just picking some job. Because guess what? You'll be there again in a, in a loop six months later, I promise you. If not sooner. Maybe hmm. even three months. Don't you think? Yeah. And I know that some people have to make money, right? And there's there's a way that you can, you know, go out and make money, but still look for the job that you're meant to have through your values and things like that. So I'm not discounting the fact that people obviously have to work, but we it's all about finding what what resonates with you and what is your purpose. Um, but for people that are trying to build their brand, whether they're a CEO, whether they're a job seeker, whether they're a TEDx speaker, whatever they want to do, right? What if they're worried about cost? What if they're like, well, I can't afford to build a brand? So great question. Um, there's a lot of DIY brands out there. Some people have a good design eye. Some people don't. And that's okay. That's part of that leaning into your strengths, right? Don't do something that you're not strong in. And if brand building is not something you're strong in, I would always recommend a third perspective, right? And that's called brand strategy. You want to make sure that you're not building a brand for today and then you change it in six months because it doesn't suit you anymore and then another time in a year because I've seen it happen, especially with speakers. It's what branding leads to is congruency, which leads to trust and establishment of a relationship and opportunities. So branding is absolutely somebody's very first impression of you. And if you don't, if it looks like it's all over the place, if it looks like it's like DIY, if it looks like it's slapped together, it is going to take that trust factor completely out of the window. But what you can do, um, you know, if you're just starting out, and putting yourself out there, just start sh sharing your stories a little bit, you know, not necessarily every time you've succeeded, but times you fail to um, things that you've went through in life. Maybe you share some pictures, pictures of yourself, but it goes way beyond that. Right. But 
start just figuring out that identity, putting some attributes to what that identity is, your core values, great way to start. I like to, I like in core values as your, as your driver. So if, if you are in a vehicle, right, I, I think of the purpose as, as the road, right? Um, you know, your mission might be, might be the, the steering wheel, let's say, right? It steers you in the direction you need to go, but your core values are actually the driver. They drive everything. So a good first step that costs zero money is figuring out what are your values. And if you can figure out your values, you can start to create content based on those values. You're going to attract aligned people who also have those values and share those values with you. It's a great way to start building a brand without spending one penny. And it helps build that trust over time with people too. It's interesting you say that. I was smiling because when I was building my logo and my website and building my brand itself, right? One of the things a graphic designer told me is I'm not just here to build your logo. I'm here to build your brand, right? And she asked me all these, she had a questionnaire, right? And I had to fill out all these questions. And it was like, what words would you use to describe your business? And I'm like, so that's where your values come in, right? And that was almost like the first thing I'd do was give my values because she couldn't build an effective logo, an effective brand without knowing what my values were and then knowing my mission and knowing the purpose right so those things had to be there and then colors and things like that were secondary right they came into play later but it was like the first question she asked is like and she didn't say values but like what are the words you use to describe your business right and I was like as you're talking I was like those were the values that I put down on paper you know absolutely absolutely it costs a lot less money to have branding done right up front. So I will just say that um, <laughs> because otherwise it's going to, you're going to go through three, five iterations of it in a couple of years time and it's still not going to be right. And then you're going to get frustrated. So do it right the first time. Um, and it's okay to invest in yourself. This is an yeah. investment in your future. So keep that in mind, because guess what? This is not going away. It's 2023, almost at the end of it. It's only going to increase more that we need these brands, right? So it, 10 years ago didn't really used to be a thing, but now it's a thing and we need to pay attention to it and we need to lean into it. So it's really important. And that's how I advocate for job seekers to stand out in the market, right? Is go on LinkedIn and identify what your brand is on a video, right? Rather than mm -hmm. just saying, hey, I'm a job seeker looking for this kind of work. I'm a job seeker with these values, with this mission, right? With this purpose, whatever. And like list out those things and then say, and here's why I want these roles, right? And give give some purpose, stand out. Because if you just say, hey, I'm one person looking for a customer service job, you and a million other people. But why would I want to hire you? You have to tell me that. Yep. It makes you stand out, right? It's somebody's first impression of you. So whether you're a job seeker or I, again, I work with a lot of professional speakers, you know, when a professional speaker goes to a, apply to an event, they don't know that other person, right? But you get five to seven seconds at a first impression. Everybody does. And within just seconds, your future is determined. This 
can't be any more of a sense of urgency. It really can't. You have five to seven seconds and somebody's first impressions of you are made in their minds and you either go in a rejection pile or you go in a maybe pile or you go in a yes pile. But if you don't have any establishment of your brand and your personal brand looks like a ghost, well, you're going to go in that rejection pile, right? So it's uncomfortable sometimes to build your brand, especially if you're shy, especially if you're introverted. But honestly, if, if you don't market yourself, who will? Mm. Nobody. Nobody. So, you know, we have to be our own best advocates. Absolutely. And an interesting fact you shared with us is that you're a really good cook and a good baker. I am. I wish I wasn't because it's really hard to like lose these last couple pounds, you know, because, oh my gosh. But yes, I, I love to cook. Um, I do everything from scratch to even baking. I don't measure anything. It's kind of crazy. So even if I, they say it's an exact science, I just kind of go by feel. <laughs> it works most of the time, but um, I, I make a really good chocolate chip cookie. You mentioned that earlier. Cheesecake. Oh my gosh. I, again, that's why I say I wish I wasn't because um, it's so much easier when you don't have it at home. Uh, <laughs> coconut cake is one of my favorites. I'm, I love coconut cake. Mm. Um, but yes, Italian food. I like making Italian food, especially all sorts of things. Yeah. I love that for you. I always joke with my family. I was like, I love to cook. I took cooking classes in high school. I was like, I'll cook all day long. It's for me. I don't like chopping the food. I don't like deciding what we're going to eat. So I'm like, I need a sous chef who just like cuts the food and tells me what we're making. And then I'll just cook it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's not too much to ask for. A no, good meal. come on. <laughs> I love that. Um, and so, all right. So I want to now switch back to, to you and your book. You know, if people wanted to buy um, how to grasp confidence and own your power. Where can they find the book? Yep. So right now it's on Amazon. Uh, we'll see, you know, if it, if it goes beyond that someday. Uh, but yes, it's on Amazon. And uh, I'm proud to say this fun little fact. Most authors, uh, average, you know, the average author sells 250 books or less in their lifetime. 250 books or less. I broke that record this month alone. So I'm almost at that 500 mark right now. And that makes me feel so good that there's 500 souls out there that I'm helping. But yes, it's on Amazon. I encourage anybody to get it. It'll change your perspective on life. Trust me. And then I think after they've read it and changed their perspective on life, they should buy one and gift it to somebody in the holiday season. Yes. Before absolutely. the holiday season, because that can be stressful. Exactly. It's an inexpensive gift that can really help somebody. And, you know, the thing with confidence is it's like that silent struggle that many people are facing and few admit to. And not many people realize somebody is lacking confidence because nobody says, oh, I, I'm lacking confidence. Right. It's not like a sexy thing to say. <laughs> So give the book to somebody else because you never know what someone's going through and it could help change their life. Hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Yeah, because nobody's shouting from the rooftop. I'm not a confident person or I don't have gratitude or, you know, I talk openly about my depression and my anxiety because I feel like the more we talk about it, the more helpful I can be to other people, right? Um, we can normalize conversations about mental health and therapy and all of those things, but not everybody is as open as you and I are to talk about those struggles that they're facing. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So I'm the uh, sacrificial lamb, I guess, to talk about lack of confidence, what it looks like, but that's okay. I'm all right. (laughs) And, you know, as you talked about the reframing, a lot of times with my therapist, we're reframing things all the time, right? I will say I have anxiety and depression and she's like, no, you, you, um, cope with anxiety and depression, right? Because we don't say I have, you know, we, we say I have, right? But I can't say I am depressed and I am anxious. That's what we reframe. I, I am depressed and I am anxious. She said, because those don't describe you. You have it, right? But you are not it, right? And she's like, we don't say I, I am knee pain. I am whatever, right? And that really resonated with me because as, as I started to say, I am depressed, it was like, no, I have depression. I am not depressed, right? And so every time I start saying things, negative speak in my head, my therapist like comes in in her little like voice and, and reassures, reframes what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's so important. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I am knee pain. That's, that's a good one. I'll have to. <laughs> yeah. And that was how it resonated with me. It's like, we don't say I am knee pain or I am, <laughs> you know, whatever. Like, so we have to stop like quanti- qualifying our mental health. And the other thing that, you know, I heard recently too, is like, when you break something, you go to a doctor to help reset it, to help fix it. But why don't we go to medical professionals when something in our brain isn't working right when we when we feel negative right when we have these things why not go to somebody else who can help us we do it when our bones are not working right that's right exactly oh so key (laughs) um so also where can people if they want to help build a brand you know do all of those things where can they find you i'm on almost every social media platform these days (laughs) but linkedin is my largest one so i'm on linkedin my profile would be a good example of what to look for in terms of, you know, how to show up with in the best version of your light based on your niche and field, right? Um, but you can also find me on my personal website, terralafongooch.com or bestbranding.solutions is my company's website. Awesome. Well, I like to end every episode by asking you my favorite Maya Angelou quote or telling you it and having you explain a situation for yourself. So Maya said, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Can you share a time when that was true for you? Yeah. So I work with a a business strategist and when I first started working with her, you know, to grow my business, she said something to me, which I do remember what she said, but I also remember how it made me feel. And she told me something that nobody has ever told me. And she said, you have the it factor. And I said, what is that? Like, it didn't even resonate with me, right? And then I thought about it and tears just welled up in my eyes because I realized that she believed in me. Mm. And she was like the first person to ever say that, right? And I said, well, if she believes in me, I guess I need to really believe in myself. And she said, you realize there's absolutely nothing you can't do. 
And sometimes we just have to have somebody else kind of reaffirm that for us. That's a trusted advisor or friend or colleague or whoever. But she said it. I'll never forget what she said. But what was most important was how it made me feel. And that actually helped really build confidence within me, too, to say that, you know what, I am going to go after my dreams and I'm going to do these things. And you know what? I think it was just that next week I appeared on Fox News. Because I said, you know what? Somebody thinks I have the it factor. Let's try it. <laughs> and here we well, are today. That's interesting because I think it just helped affirm, you know, the things that you were feeling inside of you. And I think to everybody's point, our, our at our core, we want to feel valued. We want to feel heard and seen, right? And I felt like that was it for you. You were like, that's it. I was seen. I'm going to go out and do the thing that I always wanted to do. <laughs> that's right. Yep. Permission granted for everyone out there listening. Uh, by the way, you don't need permission for anybody, but um, I'm just going to go ahead and grant everyone listening permission to just go after their dreams um, mm. and, you know, just grab life by the horns. Don't live with regrets. Just take 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 some chances on yourselves and go for it. And I echo that. Not that anybody needs my echoing, but um, <laughs> it's true. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Tara. You were a pleasure and I appreciate you opening, opening up about some hard topics, but it was all related to your book and I hope people go and buy that. We'll make sure to put it in the show notes. Thank you so much, Alyssa. No problem. As I end every episode, lead with empathy, act with kindness. Bye y'all. Thank you for listening to All People Podcast. If you enjoyed our show, I'd love for you to subscribe and leave a five-star review. The work doesn't end here. If you want to keep the conversation going, Find me on LinkedIn or Facebook or visit my website, apeoplepartnerllc.com. Lead with empathy and act with kindness. Have a great day.